Welcome to the Practical Church Revitalization Podcast. We look at revitalization in real time, examining the ups and downs of revitalizing and replanting historic and legacy churches throughout New England and the U.S. Now here's your hosts, Eric Malloy, Don McKinnon, and Sam Jimenez. The better David. The prophet spoke of a Messiah, and we have the privilege of seeing you coming here to earth. You spoke to us, you taught us, and then amazingly you died on a cross for our burden, for our sin. But you didn't stay that way because death cannot hold you. And we thank you. And we thank you that we can be confident that you are better. You are more powerful than anything in our lives and you prove that to us. And please continue to prove that to us every day because we're a forgetful people. The world just hardens our hearts and closes our eyes to you. So every day, please open our eyes back up to see that you are the answer, you are more powerful, and you are better. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Can I have a seat? Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Plan B. I don't know if you're aware of that. Um, I'm here uh, instead of Kyle. So if you've been, uh, look, I'll introduce myself in a second, but Kyle was uh, speaking on debt, uh, thriving and surviving uh, in, uh, in the culture of maybe having some debt. And, uh, and uh, here's what's going to happen. I'm not going to talk about that today. Uh, if you were looking forward to that, here, here's all I got for you. If you're thinking about debt and you're not, don't. And if you are in debt right now and wish you weren't, buy Dave Ramsey and hold on to your butts. Here's what, here's what we do. Um, I want to talk to you about something else because of uh, where I come from, and Kyle and I do walk hand in hand in, uh, in an arena of work through Replant and uh, with the North American Mission Board, uh, but as we do, let me just give you uh, the, uh, the lowdown. I'm coming at you from two perspectives. I'm the lead teaching and vision pastor for a rural multi-site based out of Kansas called Cross Point Church. In a nutshell, a dying neighborhood church 19 years ago, my wife and I left straight from seminary, went there, hadn't had a pastor in a couple years, uh, had about 100 people. People and uh, and God super blessed and right now we have 13 locations across the state of Kansas run about 3,000 and we've kind of found a way to do rural reproduction at an almost zero or low cost way and part of what we're going to talk about today is that uh, but the second reason that I'm here is the second title that we have there uh, I am the, now this is a mouthful the North American Mission Board rural strategist for the replant team volunteer now you can put volunteer anywhere you want in there. It just has to be in that title um, because I also have the privilege of serving as one of the trustees for the North American Mission Board. So I have to be a volunteer in that role. But my heart, my, my passion is rurality. So I want to take a second and I want to talk to you about the state of the church striving and uh, thriving. Uh, but not just, if I was talking to rural, I would speak specifically to you. But I want to speak biblically about the state of the church to encourage you as well as kind of reveal a little bit of what is happening with regard to rural ministry and the North American Mission Board's new focus there in the role that I have. I believe in rurality and I believe in country. I married an Oklahoma girl whose daddy is, uh, was so, uh, so country. He's a rancher in Oklahoma and his address is actually a GPS marker. Do you understand what I'm talking about? That uh, if you don't have this dot, you will not find him. He looks like Tommy Lee Jones, only tough. He's that guy. 
and um, we were at Christmas a few years ago, his adult children gathered around with our families and we were all talking stupid stuff about like pickup lines and come on lines and you know, how'd you make it through security because you the bomb, that kind of stuff and somebody asked him, Oliver, so what was your pickup line for Arlene? That should tell you how country these people are, right? Oliver and Arlene. Hey, I said, Oliver, what was your pickup line for Arlene? And the room got quiet and he goes, come here. <laughs> that, was, that was the pickup line, right? <laughs> and we all laughed and went, yeah, that's, that's how that works. But, but if you've never been in, in rural America, rural church, we have the same problems only to scale that you have in any other environment. The only problem is because it's to scale, uh, if, if some, sometimes if you have a problem with somebody, that's a fourth of the congregation you have a difficulty with. You know what I mean? It's, uh, th- there was a guy at Kathy's home church on the other side of the state. We're a little Christian church and it's a family church. And by the way, the definition of awkward, I defined that day. Their nursing mother's room was a lazy boy at the back of the room with a Venetian blind coming down from the drop down ceiling. That's awkward. I got to tell you straight up because I wanted to know what it was and I went and looked and I should not have looked at what it was. Anyway, we're there and their pastor was preaching and, and he's, a, he's a great guy. I love him to pieces. Not, not, not the greatest preacher in the world, but a great pastor. And, and they have a song leader. If you don't know what that is, that means whoever is available. And he's been doing it forever. His name is Brother Lawrence. He's old enough that he knew Jesus. He didn't just meet Jesus. He, he knew him, went to school with him, that kind of thing. And, and Brother Lawrence, about 20 minutes into the pastor's message, he's, he's preaching and he's bringing it home and I'm taking notes and I'm so thankful and and brother Lawrence just stands up and he shuffles towards the front he gets right next to the preacher uh, on the platform and then about one second later he just does this uh, and moves the preacher out of the way he goes take your song books and turn to our invitation him I'm like he just hijacked the service I remember I started tweeting the experience and my wife said don't do that I go none of these people are on Twitter it does not matter But that, that's country church, right? It's personalities. It's, uh, it's, if you've never been there, it is a joy, it is a treasure, and it is a process. And so I am so thankful that, uh, that the North American Mission Board has decided to uh, make a special emphasis meeting the rural needs. Here in a nutshell, just let me roll through this very quickly with you. We will never have enough people or money to do, the, what, do it the way we've been doing. When it comes to rural, there's never going to be enough money and never enough leaders to reach all the rural places. Uh, that's just a given. Second, the Great Commission doesn't change based on our resources. So even though we don't have enough money and we don't have enough people, we still have the Great Commission, which tells us that we're to go into all the world. And guess what? That's in the country and backwater places as well. Um, so uh, those two, there should have been a third. We lost that. Anyway, uh, the NAM focus in a nutshell uh, will be, as we reveal this in just a minute, we want to provide a means of sharing resources. Because there are limited resources and because uh, there are limited leaders, how do we provide shared resources that are either on one one end of the spectrum, a stopgap. So let's just say we have a small church that can't find a pastor. How do we provide them pulpit supply so that they don't have to close the doors, but they can continue to thrive and survive? Or a permanent partnership. How do we lead them to a relationship with a larger church that can help them sustain because they're in a community where the hundred people giving for three years uh, will never sustain a a full-time pastor and a full-time facility? How do we provide resources? These are all messed up now. Uh, 
there must be different ways to do what we're called to do. That's what we're doing right now. So here we go. Second, um, we also want to create a community for rural works, uh, meaning uh, how do we create something so that the number one problem that a lot of rural guys have is isolation? How, how do we help them in that? Well, loosely held versus firmly held, what are the different ways that we can help them fall into some kind of community? And then to support pastors at that level, volunteer to vocational, and then all forms of bivo and covo that are in between. What do we need to do to help them? And let me give you just an example. What about pulpit supply for the bivocational pastor who would just like to be gone for two weeks to take his family on a vacation? And he can't get anybody to come in because nobody wants to preach to the 13 people that are there. And so he feels locked in place and he can never leave. Well, what if there were resources that he was shared in a network of people that he trusted with resources that he could use that could help him get away? Or what if there was a church that just decided we wanted to move in a whole other direction and we need a partner, we need to hold hands with another church that has already walked down this road, but we can't pay for consulting fees and we don't have the resources to, we want to be able to provide support for pastors at whatever level they are at. So we're going to reveal to you what this is in just a moment, but on top of that, in the future, we want to add development opportunities like affinity networks, cohorts, rural focused resources, uh, all kinds of things, but those are yet to come. Later in this, I'm going to share with you uh, what that first stage is. But right now, let me do some encouragement. The state of the church, uh, thriving and sur surviving and thriving. I want to talk to you for just a second about the fact that in this room, there are two groups of people. In this room, there are two groups of people. And when you go home, all the pastors that you know and leaders that you know can be divided into two groups. The first group is this, some that are doing well. They made it through COVID. Their church is moving. They feel positive. And there's another group of people. They have not done well. They're not feeling good and things aren't great. Now here's the reality with those two groups of people. Those that are hurting and not doing well are often not encouraged by those who are doing well. When they hear those stories, it doesn't pump them up and give them hope. It makes things difficult in their mind and in their heart. And second, here's what you need to know. Those who are doing well probably aren't doing as well as you think they're doing. Does that make sense? With that, what is the true state of the church? I believe that I have the opportunity not to speak just to rurality, but to suburbia and to urban areas. I believe I can talk to anywhere because the words that I have to share with you are not my own words. They're the words of Jesus as he speaks to the state of the church. Some things that hopefully will become a blessing to each of us. The words from Matthew chapter 16, verses 18 through 19, they're famous, but we do have a couple of fairly comprehensive, fairly exhaustive misunderstandings in this passage, and I hope to help uh, point a couple of those out and maybe give us some confidence. Here's what it says, and I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. How come there was not an amen right there? Let me try that one more time. And the, you, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, first of all, let's get rid of a mis, uh, misapplication. Peter is not the apostle of the church. He is not the pope of the church for us. And I believe this theologically, and I believe it biblically, because the word rock, on the count of three, everybody say rock. One, two, three. Rock. 
The word rock in the original Greek is Petra. If it were a single noun masculine, if it were for Peter, it would have been Petros, but it was Petra, and Petra is a feminine plural, and it's okay to say Peter is upon this rock, but you need to understand what that rock is. A feminine plural, not a, not a masculine singular, it isn't tied to a pronoun. It means a fe- it was a group, it was a quarry, it is not him singularly, it is us as the people that God is going to build his church upon. It is the plural. We are the quarry. We are the stones in the wall that God is going to use. Look at somebody sitting next to you and say, he's talking about you. Go ahead and tell him real quick. That's right. So as we look at this and we understand that this is for us, there are three things that I want to encourage you with. And the first one is this. God is the cause, source, and sustainer. In your church, in your ministry, in your life, it is not you, it is not your digging body, it is not your plan, it is not your convention, it is not your association, it is not your resource. God is the cause, the source, and the sustainer. He says what? On this rock, I will build my church. Is that good news for anybody else? That he says, I will build my church. And I know that many of us leave a place like this. We come into it with one set of doubts and we leave with another set of doubts. I can't, I don't know how, I, I don't know where. And every time you say, I can't, you should follow that with a, but Jesus can't. I can't, but Jesus can't. The state of the church is this. This is who Jesus says that you are. He says, I will use you and I will build my church. That's what God is going to do through you. Bivo, covo, full-time, volunteer, leading from the second chair, doesn't matter. God will use you as he is going to do what only he can do. The problem is we put it on ourselves so many times. I was a seminary student, like many of you, and I remember when I got ready to go to seminary, I thought it was going to be great. It's going to be like four years of summer camp. You know what I'm talking about? Just joy, kumbaya. And then I got there and found out that is not the way that works. If any of you have ever been there, it, it, is not, it was just school and there were some difficult people. And at my particular seminary, one of the most difficult people I've ever met in my life was in the registrar's office. <laughs> where you had to go and you had to you know, pay your matriculation fees and you had to do all that. And after two or three semesters, it got so bad. I remember telling my wife, I dread enlisting for class. I dread going in and paying for class because this woman, I swear, she's got 1980s bangs. She's hiding horns. There's something under there. It's, she's just difficult. She's ugly. And so we prayed about it. My wife and I prayed about it. And I decided that on the beginning of my fourth semester, I was going to win this woman to Jesus. That's what I was going to do. And I ate my spiritual Wheaties. We had a quiet time. We prayed and sang in the living room that morning. And, and I know the office opened at nine. So I got there at eight 30. I didn't want anybody in front of me to spoil this. So I got there at eight 30 and I sat down. It was my day. And finally, about nine o'clock, the lights came on. I heard her unlock the door and nobody was there. I thought, this is perfect. God has set me up for this. And so I went and I said, good morning. How are you? And she said, what do you want? That was her level of customer service. I want to make sure you understand that. What do you want? I said, I'm here to register for class. And she goes, you can't register. Now that one threw me because the door said registrar is what it said. And so of all the stuff I thought I was going to get, that one, that one was new for me. And I said, well, ma'am, it, it, it's my day. Uh, I, was just, I just need to register for class. She goes, you cannot register. And I'm like, okay, okay, I, I'm sorry. Maybe I'm miscommunicating. I just need to register for class. It's my day. You guys sent me a little card. I reached in my bag, pulled out the little yellow card I got. It's my, she goes, read it. I'm like, I did read it. She goes, read it. Now I'm like a third grader getting scolded by my teacher. And I start reading, Andrew Addis. On this date, and at the very bottom, in really tiny print, in parentheses, you know what it said? Must register by phone. And I went, oh, (laughs) 
I'm sorry, I, I missed that part, but I'm the only one here and you're there. And she goes, you can't register. And I remember going, And the phone rang on her desk. <laughs> she picked up and said, registrar. And I went, I'd like to register for class. <laughs> what is wrong with you people? Don't be laughing. That is the opposite of what we were trying to do that day. And all of a sudden, I sunk to her demonic level. <laughs> See, that's the issue. We try, I'm going to save the world. I'm going to transform the church. I'm going to, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're going to be faithful to a God who is able to do those things. You're going to serve a God who is empowering you to do those things. But the minute you put it on your back and try and carry it across the goal line, you forget that God is the cause and the sustainer. He's the one that's going to get that done. You bear too much. Christ is the savior of the church, not you. And so we must, be, we must begin by taking some of those weights off. It's not you. It's not you. He is the cause, the source, and the sustainer. Let me give you a second point of encouragement. All hell cannot defeat Christ in you. Why is there not a voluntary amen? Mark, how hard is this room? Let me try that one more time. All hell cannot defeat Christ in you. Let me give you some perspective. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it, it being the church, and we are the church. Now, first of all, you need to understand that gates are defensive. Meaning that the church should be on the offensive. We're not hiding out. We're not going, woe is me. We're not rebuffing the efforts of this world. We are marching forward with Christ's authority and his strength, the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit, and we are on the offensive. Can I get an amen in the house? And I love the second part, shall not prevail. The word prevail means a successful participant of greater strength. Shall not. In other words, hell itself is not going to be successful in being stronger than you because of Christ in you as his servant. Amen? That is the truth about who you are. All hell cannot defeat that. All hell cannot defeat you. But I've seen Christian leaders fall. I've seen Christian leaders fail. Yes, but the problem is hell can't defeat you, but you can surrender. Hell can't defeat you, but you can surrender. So don't surrender. We all know this, we've preached this before, haven't we, where all these different animal groups have, uh, have different names, right, as they come together, like a herd of deer, a flock of geese, a gaggle of geese. You all know what a bunch of crows is, right? It's a murder, a murder of crows. Do you know what a gathering of zebras is? This one was new to me. A gathering of zebras is called a dazzle. It's a dazzle. You know why it's a dazzle? Because those stripes that God gave them, as they run, it's called the moray effect. You ever seen yourself on video and realized I should never wear that shirt again? Because it looks like you are just doing this the whole time, everything's moving. It's actually something God gave zebras so that they, when they ran as a herd, they would dazzle the predators. 
and, and they couldn't get a lock on them. And so long as you stayed in the herd, is anybody getting ready to feel what I'm talking about right now? So long as you stayed in the herd, so long as you were in community, so long as you were, you see, the problem is when you try and get out on your own. The problem is when you get out on the fringe. The problem is when you lag behind. The problem, but when you stay with the group and you stay in the protection of God's community and you stay in this place, the gates of hell shall not prevail again. Can I get an amen, please? The gates of hell shall not prevail against you. This is the state of the church. Whether you're in the country or the city or anywhere in between, this is what Jesus has said. Third thing, third and final thing, just in a note of encouragement, is this. God, and finally, God is using you to build his church. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And isn't this misinterpreted? I hear preachers and YouTube video clips on this all the time. All you got to do is name it, claim it. You got to bind it, loose it. That is not what this means. That is not what this means. Keys were the symbolic pieces of jewelry that the scribes would wear. And they were indicative of the fact that they had the keys to the teaching. This key is not about you having some kind of spiritual authority. Let me tell you what it is. The key means that you know the teaching and the teaching is what? What God has already bound and loosed in heaven. And our job is to come and teach that. And as we do that, we stand on his authority. You don't have the authority to bind or loose anything, but God has already, God has already, everybody say already. God has already bound. God has already loosed what he's going to do. But you now have the rights with good teaching and good authority for you to come and stand in that place and bind and loose it like that. And here's what I want you to know. Church, you have been called. You have been resourced and you have been commissioned. He has already bound and loosed what needs to be bound and loose for you to do what needs to be done. Now you need to stand on his word and move need to stand on his word and move. Several years ago, I took my kiddos. If you're like me when you're young in ministry and uh, you, you use speaking engagements at other places as vacation, right? <laughs> and until the kids were old enough to figure out what you were doing, that's the way you did that. And several years ago when my boys were little, I got invited to speak at a youth uh, event and they said, we can't pay you, but we'll put you up at the Great Wolf Lodge. Do y'all know what the Great Wolf Lodge is? Yeah, that's where you get the water park. And I'm like, man, that's a done deal. We're in. That's good. So we went to the Great Wolf Lodge and I told my boys about it. They were so excited. I remember, I'd never seen it. It was like a magic trick. We walked in, set the bags down. I turned around. They were already in their swimsuits. <laughs> they were like, let's go. And, and so, man, we put on the bracelets and we went down. If you've never been in, it's this indoor water park. And as soon as you walk in, there's like a two-story tall, just nets and water guns and slides and all this. And at the very top, there's this thing, this bucket. And we got there at just the right time because as we walk in, we hear tink, tink, tink tank and what it is is the bucket fills up 2,500 gallons and when it fills up it goes tink because there's an overflow and it causes this thing to make this noise and as it did kids and people started running from everywhere to a spot on the floor that had been painted and it was called the splash zone and they all came running there we didn't know what was going on so we just watched they they all just ran there and they stood there and then that bucket from two and a half stories up went and it poured 2,500 gallons of water out and it hit them and, and it was crazy, man, because the, the people, they were just, they, you couldn't see them anymore. They were just awash in the water and all of a sudden you saw a teenage girl look at her boyfriend and smack him for making her stand there and there was a child who was wearing a swimming diaper and it was now at my feet over here and, and, and three or four of the people were abducted somewhere. I have no idea where they went. It was, it was crazy. My boys looked at me and said, Dad, can we do that? And I said, later, which is dad code for? Yeah, very good. Yeah, I mean, no, we ain't doing that. That's stupid. Why would we do that? 
So I sent them off to go play, and Kathy and I, my wife and I, we went to the hot tubs where good adults go or something like this. And after a few minutes, I watched that cycle a couple times, and it started to eat on me. Started to eat on me that maybe, you know, we should uh, make the kids happy. We should let them enjoy this. And, and, and I remember I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to endure it first. And so I got out of the hot tub, and I went over and stood in the splash zone until I heard tink, tink. Tank, by that time, two or three littles came over, had like an 11-year-old boy and a 7-year-old girl. Just, we're just standing there, how you doing, right? And all of a sudden, it comes in. And let me express, express to you what this was like. Have you ever been punched in the chest by an icy fist? Because as that stuff hit you, I mean, it was like, bah! It just took your breath away. And then the rest of it felt like little ice needles all over you. I remember looking down at this boy who had dropped down to the ground and was washing away and over here at this little girl. And she had this look on her face like, why as an adult would you lead me here? Why would, why would you do this? I remember thinking that was painful, that was irritating, that was kind of scary. I bet there's some medical risk involved in this. Where are the boys? They need to try this. That's what we need to do. And, so I went and got the boys and said, hey, come here. You want to do something? They go, what do you want to do? I said, well, just come here with me. They go, are we going to do it? I go, yeah, we're going to do it. And, and Noah stood here and Nathan stood there. And about five minutes later, tink, tink, tink. And I remember Noah going, did you do this? Yet? Go, yeah, I did it. He goes, is it fun? I go, yeah, I did it. Here we go. And as that bucket poured out, man, I looked over, Noah hit the fetal position on the ground. And Nathan, he's like, ah, and, he's just, and you could just see the water pouring down him. When it got done, we were breathless. And they were like, man, that hurt. And oh, that was painful. And, and I said, what'd you think? And they go, let's get mom. <laughs> and why, why? There, were, there was a lazy river. We could have played basketball in the Olympic-sized pool. But there's something crazy about putting yourself out on the edge and doing that weird thing that, that, that no one else is doing. Welcome to ministry. It's where God calls you to stand out there in the splash zone, and it's painful, and it's risky, and it's uncomfortable, and it's the best thing you're going to do today. It's the best thing you're going to do today. And, and so God wants to use you to build his church. He's given you the keys. He's taught you in his word. He's given you access to be the ones who drive the engine of the church in this day and in this age and in this place. God bless you. God bless you. So let me just give that to you as the state of the church. Big city, small city, middle of the country. And now let's go back to what we're talking about with regard to this model. First of all, the Crosspoint model, this is our church. I don't want to give you the whole history. We don't have time today. But what we are is a church that when we grew from a small neighborhood church to a multi-site, we wanted to reach rural places. And the only way we could do that is to understand that we're never going to have the ability to hire pastors. We're, we're never going to have the ability to have facilities. But what if we could reproduce who we are in such a way that local bodies could use that, we could plant with it, and it became one of our values. One of Crosspoint's core values is that we're better together. We give ourselves away to add to the work of the kingdom, even if it does not benefit us directly. So we just get everything that we produce, we give away. Everything, will it be, what if somebody abuses it? They will, because people are stupid, right? They will. But there's going to be opportunity for you to use and partner in ways that you never could before. So we have three levels in the Crosspoint world. Level one, these are connections through churches, ministries, groups, individuals with no desire to be a part of Crosspoint Network, but Crosspoint still provides some resources that they can share. We call this dating, right? Level two 
is connections that engage with the possibility of becoming a cross-point campus. And these churches have access to additional resources. This is when you get engaged. And finally, level three, some, not, mo- not all, not even most, will become a cross-point campus. And it's at this level at which the cross-point network begins to invest resources, afford protection, and, and all resources are available. Now, with that being said, let me show you what one little church has been able to do in the last 20 years. All of these, level one, level two, and all the level threes are actually cross-point locations. This is just in giving away our resources, what we've been able to do in rural places here in Kansas. The ones on the outside represent resources being used outside of the state and outside of the country. This is a picture. Imagine if we could reproduce this at an even higher level. Imagine if we could give away enough resources that we could help dying churches not only survive but thrive. Imagine if groups meeting in homes or out on the ranch or in an apartment complex who didn't have uh, what they needed to get going, if we could resource them in such a way that they could get a foothold and plant themselves as a church. That is what this is, and it's called The Hub, and uh, we call it The Hub and Beyond. That process for uh, Crosspoint, making those uh, resources available, the North American Mission Board has said, we want to take that and make it available to everybody, but not just you. We want to find all kinds of content producing churches that can do the same thing all across the country in different flavors, in different motifs, so that maybe you're that pastor and you say, I just need a month off or my family is going to crater. Guess what? We'd have the ability for you to tap into some resources that cost you nothing, that are already vetted, and that will be high quality that you can use. Or maybe you say, we want to move in a direction to partner with a church. You can go in that direction as well. Either way, it'll all be established through something we call the hub. And Kyle, who I am getting the honor of replacing today, uh, is actually with us. If we could switch to him, he's going to walk you through a little bit of that hub right now. Hey everybody, good morning and uh, greetings from the uh, NAM headquarters at the at 716, uh, room 716 at the hotel at Avalon. Um, as, as you probably heard, uh, COVID threw us a little bit of a curveball, so uh, I'm joining you from the hotel room this morning to, to walk you through this uh, project that we are developing. And um, uh, you'll see some of, what, um, some of what Andy is already developing. And then uh, we'll we'll walk through some stuff that's that's coming as well. So when you, when you go into the hub, uh, you'll see um, this is, this is all Andy stuff at the moment, but just a, a number of sermon series uh, that, as as Andy mentioned, you can be used for uh, either a stopgap for a church that's in an interim time, um, a pastor who just needs to get away for a few days, a, a bivocational pastor who's looking for. Um, like something to do on Sunday nights or Wednesday nights that they could free up some time for shepherding um, or, or some other ministry activities. Um, so I'll just walk you through kind of what we have uh, here on the site. So uh, when you click on uh, view series, uh, and this is re the, the joy of your salvation, you'll see all the videos here that are a part of that series. And then with each video, uh, we have, so you'll have the, the sermon video itself, as well as uh, some small group questions that, that could be used for uh, just, just discussion questions based on the sermon, and then a one-page um, sermon notes outline that you can use as well. So this is really a one-stop shop for um, if, if, if your church is interested or you know a church that's interested in, in utilizing some sermon video content, either as their primary teaching and, or uh, as a secondary part. 
But that's not all because um, you're going to have some, uh, certainly some pastors that, or churches that are in need of uh, worship leading as well. And uh, so here's a couple of good looking guys. Uh, Chris Tomlin, he just put that on there as a joke. We don't really have some uh, worship videos from Chris Tomlin. Sorry about that, y'all. Uh, but we do have some from Nathan Drake. Nathan already has a bunch that he's put together as part of his project called Reawaken Hymns. Um, and so uh, you'll see here uh, some, some songs he's put together, How Firm a Foundation, I Stand Amazed, Over a Thousand Tongues to Sing. Because one of the things that we've heard as we began talking about this project, the, the feedback we got was that sermons are great and, and those will be utilized. But uh, as much as, as we heard about the need for sermons, we heard about the need for worship. Uh, from churches who uh, either don't have a worship leader, have a hard time finding someone to come in and lead worship, or um, have one person who can lead. And when they're gone, there's, there's, no, um, there's no worship um, that, that happens. And so this is just a way to uh, provide some resources for churches. So again, same thing when you click on it, um, there's, there's the video, you can download it. And, and for both the worship and the sermons, we have a number of uh, quality levels. So based on your, you know, if you have high speed internet or less than high speed internet, we're, we're making accommodations for that as well. Um, and then uh, in addition to that, Nathan already uh, also has developed a hymnal with simplified um, guitar arrangements for uh, the, the hymns that he's produced. And uh, so we're going to provide some download codes for that as well. So when you when you sign up for the hub, when this launches in a few weeks, uh, when you sign up for that, you're going to get a download code for uh, for for his hymnal as well, uh, which is a fantastic resource. If you have somebody that can play like three or four chords on the guitar, they can lead using his using his hymnal. Um, and so we are we are working on developing this. It's being built as we speak. Uh, we have some more. Um, Videos that will be loaded on there next week from uh, from another church, uh, and and we are in the process of securing even more churches. It's not going to be just Andy stuff, um, and we're really excited to see this resource roll out and believe it's going to be a wonderful um, tool for churches uh, to use to reach their communities and to uh, help them proclaim the gospel and and lead men, women, children to worship Him. Thank you so much, Kyle. We, uh, can we give him a hand for doing the hard work from the sidelines? Now, let me take you to a, a slide, a QR code, that if you're interested in the hub, as it gets launched, uh, this uh, QR code will allow you to uh, get the latest and the greatest information. All you got to do is uh, sign up there, and you'll be notified as soon as that comes. Now, I want you to do two things. First of all, when Kyle talked about quality uh, and different, uh, he didn't mean like uh, at one level you can get Nathan's video, and he's slightly off key, but if you get the better quality, he is completely in tune. He, he just meant video quality. Quality, right. Um, so the second thing is this: I want you to imagine with me, if you will, that uh, that there is a congregation that doesn't have a pastor, or maybe you, as a pastor, are needing a break and, and want to partner with the congregation. And with regard to these videos, what if you don't want to play the videos, but you just want to use the content and preach along with somebody in the series that they're doing? But you do that on your own. Everything's available to you for the high cost of zero dollars, because this is meant to be uh, Southern Baptists who love the church and love the weak people of the church, providing their resources to keep you from reinventing the wheel so that you don't have to do 
do everything on your own again and again. And we are creating a structure and a portal, a one-stop shop, so that especially in rural America, that there is an opportunity for people to continue on and not have to close their doors simply because they can't get some of the things that are produced in other places well already. Does that make sense? That's what we're trying to do. Final thought as I get ready to turn this over uh, is that, uh, that Jimbo, uh, where's Jimbo? Is he in the room right? Jimbo over here? Um, he said something a couple weeks ago, and I've used it a couple of times, uh, and this is officially the last time I'm going to give him credit from now on. This is my idea because I've said it more than he has. Uh, but he was uh, talking uh, on one of our regular calls about uh, a guy that he was working with, and it was just brilliant. He said that a guy was tired and worn and ready to quit. He was tired and worn and ready to quit, just had nothing left. And Jimbo's advice to him was this. Well, if you're ready to quit, are you ready to get fired? Because the result will be the same, but wouldn't it be better if instead of quitting, you did everything that you could do, and even if they fire you, you went out on fire? Does that sound good to anybody else? You're not as excited about that as I am. Because I would much rather get fired than quit. Here's the issue. Did you know this? That no military installation has ever issued a white flag. That if you surrender, you have to come up with that. You have to find one of those. You have to make one on the battlefield. Because it should never be the plan that, well, just in case we go sideways, here's your flag. I want to say this to you. Wherever you are, the state of the church is this. That it's his and he started it and he'll sustain it. That he is the one who will protect you. And because he is in you, the gates of hell cannot prevail against you. And that right now, everybody say right now. Everybody say, right now. He is using you to build his church. You may not even know it. Don't surrender. Don't quit. Stay in the fight and use everything that you've got. Let's win this battle for Jesus. And all God's people say, Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your grace. And I pray that as we have resources like this and others, that we would become excited about the future. As crazy as it seems and often as uh, unknown as we feel and the circumstances feel beyond our control, we just pray that you would give us a certainty that you have never changed, you have never been dissuaded, and you are not wringing your hands in heaven. You're fine. Let us have confidence in you, not in this world, our plans or circumstances, for it is great to be called by you and to follow you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, very good. Hey, we're going to take a break, but as we do, as Andy and Kyle just said, we're going to have several content-producing churches on there.